Acts chapter 22. We're going to be in Acts chapter 22 today. And if you were here with us last week, we talked about how do you know God's will? And, and we were looking at Acts 21, and we figured out that Paul said, I, I have to go to Jerusalem. And even though people didn't want him to go to Jerusalem, he knew he was supposed to go. But if you remember in Acts chapter 20, he says, I'm going to go, but I'm probably going to suffer. Even though I know I'm supposed to go, I could die going there. And wouldn't you know it, after they warn him in Acts 21 not to go, he still goes. And then at the end of Acts 21, we find out that there were suffering and that people didn't want him to go there. And so look what happens at the end of Acts 21 to set us up to Acts 22. It says, Paul was grabbed and dragged out of the temple and immediately the gates were closed behind him. As they were trying to kill him, word reached the commander of the Roman regiment and that all Jerusalem was up in an uproar. He immediately called out his soldiers and officers and ran down among the crowd. And when the mob saw the commander and the troops coming, they stopped beating Paul. Then the commander arrested him and ordered him bound with two chains. He asked the crowd who he was and what he had done. Some shouted one thing, some another. And since he couldn't find out the truth in all the uproar and confusion, he ordered that Paul be taken to the fortress. As Paul reached the stairs, the mob grew so violent, the soldiers had to lift him to their shoulders to protect him. The crowd followed behind shouting, kill him, kill him. Now, what is the last thing you would do if you were in this circumstance? For me, I would not ask for a chance to share Jesus with this crowd because they already want to kill him for representing Jesus. Now, Paul has a chance to share Jesus. Does he do it? And the answer is yes. He understands that what he was signing up for. He understood that if he were to go to Jerusalem, something like this could and probably would happen. And even though probably I would try to hide or try to uh, go back and not let anybody see me or want to say anything about Jesus at that time, not Paul. Paul, he allows, he asks for a time to speak and they allow him to do that. And when Paul has a chance to speak, Look what we read in Acts 21, verse 40. We'll put that on the screen for you here. It says, a deep silence enveloped the crowd. Here's this guy who they almost just killed. This guy wants to speak to the crowd, and when he does, a deep silence fills the crowd. Now let me ask you this question. When you have a chance to speak about your faith, when there's a moment, a silent moment, so to speak, to share about your faith, about the truth of Jesus, what do you do with that silent moment? What have we done as the church, not just the chapel, but the global church? How have we responded when there are people against us and finally we have a moment to share about Jesus? How do we respond in that way? I think I have, and I think we have as the church responded in three ways. I have seen the church in those moments of silence respond with grace and truth and love in a way that people wanted to know Jesus. They wanted to go to church. They wanted to read their Bibles. They wanted to know why these people, these Christians are different. They were intrigued because of our response. 
I think there's other times, or at least I do this, where we respond to the silence with silence. We want to share about our faith. We want to share our story. We want to tell people about church. We want to do these things, and then we don't say anything at all out of fear that what if somebody does what they did to Paul? Or what if they exclude us? What if they make fun of us? What if they don't want to be our friends anymore? So sometimes we respond well. Sometimes we don't respond at all. And there's other times where, let's be honest, we've responded poorly. Imagine the times where you and I or the church had a chance to share about the grace and truth and love and forgiveness of Christ. And we blew it. Maybe we wanted to respond with a lot of truth and not a lot of grace, where Jesus says it's both and. Maybe we've judged people when we said, man, God didn't judge us when he welcomed us into the house of the Lord and into his family. There are ways that you and I can respond either poorly, silently, or like we're going to see here with Paul, in a way that brings glory to God. Is it going to be easy? No. Will people maybe exclude you? Yes, but there's still a way to show people the love of Christ even when it gets difficult. And so what I want to do with you today, as we look at Acts 22, in light of what we just read, I want to give you four specific ways that you and I can respond like Paul. That in in a situation where you are met with silence, when you have a moment, whether you're responding to a text, or on Facebook, or you're at work, or you're with a family member, we have have holidays coming up, and they start talking about your faith, how do you respond? I want to give you four ways. So jump into Acts 22 with me. About the first 15 verses or so we'll look at this morning. Here's verses 1 through 2. Brothers and esteemed fathers, Paul said, listen to me as I offer my defense. When they heard him speaking in their own language, the silence was even greater. If you want to respond like Paul in the midst of the silence, if you want to use that opportunity to bring glory to God, the first way you and I do that is to demonstrate care and calmness, just like Paul does. Now let me go back to the verse for a moment. Do you see where it says, when they heard him speaking in their own language? You see, when Paul was speaking to the Romans, he spoke in Greek. But this angry mob is a bunch of Jewish people. And so what does he do? He speaks in Aramaic, which would have been the common language of the Jews of that day. He speaks in a way that shows care. He doesn't use words that are above them. He doesn't speak in a different language for people to be like, what's this dude even talking about? He shows care in that he kneels down to their level and respects them by speaking their language. And then he goes on to address them about Jesus. That's what happens when you speak like Paul. You are thinking to yourself, how can I show care? How can I meet people where they're at? Not speaking in a way where people have to decode what you're saying about Jesus. No, it's very clear. You're speaking in their language, so to speak. A way that I think about that that just allows me to say, okay, this is how you do it. I I think about chapel kids for a moment. Right now, if you have kids or grandkids or nieces and nephews down there, the leaders are not just standing up and talking like adults. They're having crazy fun down there. They're giving out 
treats and candy and they're reading the scriptures and having fun with them and dancing and singing and playing games all to get to their level and speak about Jesus. Because if I spoke to them the way I am now, all of them would be running around crazy and bored. You may be bored in here too. Thank you for sitting though, okay? But for them, we need to get down to their level and speak because what does that do that shows care? It shows that the gospel is for them right where they're at. I love that about our chapel kids. Our chapel students does the same thing. How you speak to people, you get down to their level. You're not demeaning them. You're caring about them. But it's not just care. Um, It was also calmness. The crowd wants to rip Paul's head off. And when he goes up to share about Jesus, he doesn't start by saying, hey, you bunch of idiots, let me tell you the truth about Jesus. He doesn't say that. He responds calmly because you and I know when we start to respond in an elevated way all that does is shut off a person and lead to an argument when someone responds negatively to you or poorly to you or it gets a little heightened what does that do that gets your blood pressure rise you're like okay you want to fight let's fight Paul doesn't want to fight he speaks caring and calmly to these people so hopefully They lean in. And you want to know what? It works. Because look at the end of this verse. The silence grew even greater. Because of the care, speaking their language, getting down to their level, and the concern and the calmness in which you speak, they leaned in. Let's keep going. Verse 3. Then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus, a city of Cilicia, And I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. Now, Gamaliel was one of the greatest rabbis around during that time. Now, remember, he's speaking to Jews. Jews had rabbis and who their teachers were. And so when Paul talks about Gamaliel here, what he is doing is the second way for you and I to speak into the silence. He's giving his credentials here. That's what he's giving in this moment. He's giving his credentials. He's saying, look, I grew up doing the same thing you did, and I had this rabbi, and when he would have said that, they all would have straightened up and thinking, wow, you studied under him? What an amazing thing. They would have respected him, because now they just think he's part of this Jewish cult, or excuse me, this Jesus cult. But when he starts talking about, no, 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 no. I can speak your language and I'll give you my credentials. I, I, I studied under this rabbi. People had to take him seriously. And so when you and I are speaking about Jesus, we do so calmly. We do so in a caring way and we give our credentials. And you may say, well, I don't have a stud teacher like Paul did. I didn't go to Bible college. I didn't go to seminary. So what am I supposed to tell people? I I read a book or I researched this on Google? Like, what do I say? What if I told you, Christ follower, that you have the credentials of all credentials? That you can be like what we read earlier in Acts chapter 4. Here's Peter and John. They're taking this Jesus way to the people. And people recognize something about Peter and John. Let's go back to Acts 4.13. 
The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Peter and John are standing before this council. They don't know what's going to happen. They could be killed. And the, and the council was like, wow, these people are going for it. They're talking about this Jesus guy. They don't care how people think about him. Well, how can they speak that way? Well, look at the end of verse 413. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. You and I are just ordinary people. We work hard and we try to do our best in this life and we try to raise our family with good morals and we just try to do the right thing. We're just normal American people. But what was different about them? They also recognized them as men being with Jesus. No Bible college, no seminary. Those things are great. But you don't have to have the credentials of Paul or a pastor in order to speak about Jesus. If you're spending time with Jesus and you are a student of him, people will recognize that you've been with him and they will respect you. They may disagree with you. They may not even like you. But because you're growing to be more and more like Jesus, your credentials are already there for you. It's your life and how you live. That's why at the chapel we say if you want to grow with Jesus, you have to get into the four growth environments. We say that's the row, the circle, the chair, and then you go. The row is where you're at right now, listening to the scriptures, worshiping God as a body of Christ. The circle is when we get into a serving team or we're in a connection group and we're opening the scriptures together and we're growing together. And when you have an issue in your life, you don't always have to call a pastor because you know you have different people on your group group and on your serving team on speed dial to care for you and then you spend time in the chair whether that's in the morning before all the chaos of the night or or day or at night when you're going to bed or throughout the day you're with Jesus in the scriptures and in the row and the circle in the chair you are becoming more like Christ and when you do that you now have the credentials to go to go and tell others about Jesus People will respect you just like they respected Paul because you're studying under the greatest rabbi to ever live, who is Jesus. So in the moment of silence, how do you respond? How can you make sure that you're doing what God's asking you to do? Will you respond calmly and with care? You give people your credentials, which is your life after you spend time with Jesus. Acts 22, three through five. Paul goes on to say, I've become very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just like all of you today. And I persecuted the followers of the way, hounding some to death, arresting both men and women, and throwing them in prison. The high priest and the whole council of elders can testify this is so. For I received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the followers of the way from there to Jerusalem in chains to be punished. And you're thinking, wait a minute here. You're trying to sell Jesus. You're trying to tell people that Jesus is the way, and you're telling them what you did before? What are you doing? You're telling people that you killed Christians? Like, why are you saying this? What's well, very masterful. It's one of those things that if you want to speak about Jesus, you have to do this. And what Paul does is so good. He establishes common ground with them. 
He looks at this crowd who are Jewish. He speaks their language, tells them about the rabbi's study, and then he says, hey, you know how you study the Jewish law? I did too. By the way, I knew it even better than you. You know those Christians that you hate right now? I did too. But I did more to them than you ever will. I took them and persecuted them. I was there and participated in killing them. I get it. I am right there with you. What is Paul doing? He's creating a bridge. He's saying, here's who I was. Here where I, here's where I was. And now he's going to build a bridge to get where he wants to tell them about Jesus. But if you don't recognize where people are, you'll never allow them to walk across the bridge to where you want them to be. You have to meet people where you're at. You have to explain to them that you understand their language and you need to get on their level to say, look, I get it. That's why one of my favorite things to do when I'm telling my story about Jesus, I never talk about me starting off as a pastor or coming to Christ. I always say, man, I gotta tell you where I was in high school. I go back to my loneliness. I go back to my emptiness. I go back to the times where I thought about taking my own life. I go back to those times to say, I get your despair. I get what life was before Jesus. It's establishing common ground. It's meeting people where they're at to know, here's where you are, but here is where you can go. You know who's a master at this? It was Jesus. One of my favorite stories in the Gospels is how Jesus called Matthew. If you know Matthew, Matthew's occupation was a tax collector, which simply means he ripped off everybody. He was actually one of their own people, the Jews, hired by the Roman government. He worked for the Roman government where people hated in order to rip off his own people. I mean, he was a scumbag. And where does Jesus go? He doesn't say, hey, Matthew, I'm going to be over here. If you want to come follow me, come find me. He goes to the tax collector booth. Matthew just ripped off one of his friends or his family members, and there and there's Jesus. He said, I want to go to your house and have dinner. Say, what? Do you know who I am? Do you know what I've done? I, I want to go to your house for dinner. Goes to Matthew's house for dinner. There's more tax collectors, more sinners. People who are on the fringe of society are there, the religious leaders of the day, they go and they're like, what are you doing, Jesus? How could you have dinner with these people? And Jesus is like, you don't get it. I'm establishing common ground with these people. I want to show them what they can have, but I need to meet them where they're at now. If you want people to come to Jesus, you can't just go right for Jesus. you got to go where, where people are and build a bridge to where they can see what their life can become once they find Jesus. So you got to show care and concern. You need to speak to them on their level. You need to give them your credentials, which should be just your life as you walk with Jesus. You need to be able to be there and establish common ground to meet them where they're at, to build a bridge to where you want them to be. And when you do that, when you've walked those three steps, now you're in prime time location to share your story with confidence and courage. Now you go for it. You've established common ground. You've spoken their language. You've done everything you can to help them understand where you were. And now you show them where you are now. Look what Paul does here. Paul just goes for it. He's like, all right, I was on the road approaching Damascus about noon and a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone down around me. You imagine the crowd being like, what did he just say? A light coming from heaven? What? 
I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord, I asked. He had no idea. The voice replied, I'm Jesus the Nazarene, the one you're persecuting. The people with me saw the light, but they didn't understand the voice speaking to me. And I asked, well, what should I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told everything you are to do. I was blinded by this intense light and had to be led by the hand to Damascus by my companions. A man named Ananias lived there. He was a godly man, deeply devoted to the law and well regarded by the Jews of Damascus. And he came and stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And then at that very moment, I could see him. And then he told me, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear him speak. For you are to be my witness, telling everyone what you have seen and heard. So there's Paul. He just says, this happened to me. I don't know if you believe it or not. I'm just telling you my story. You've seen where I've been. You know that I was one of you. But now I'm here. And then, and then Paul says, by the way, I need to go and share about Jesus with the Gentiles. Now, Gentiles were non-Jews. And when the Jews heard that, they went from silence into an uproar. Because look what happens in verse 22. The crowd listened until Paul said that about being a, a messenger to the Gentiles. They all began to shout, away with such a fellow, he isn't fit to live. They yelled, threw off their coats, and tossed handfuls of dust into the air. And when you read that, you're thinking, that's why I don't share my faith. <laughs> hey, I, I'll, I'll speak their language. I'll establish common ground with them. I'll tell them about my past. I'll tell them that I read the Bible and stuff, but then when I start really telling my story and telling people that Jesus is the only way to heaven and I really go there, these people are gonna brutally murder me. <laughs> Maybe not with their literal murder, but with their words or how they just ice you out of their life or they exclude you, those kinds of things. You're like, that's why I don't wanna share my faith. What I would say back to you is I understand. In fact, not sharing your faith is the easy way to go. But if you are a follower of Jesus, the word easy is not found in the Gospels. Jesus says, if you want to be my follower, you'll follow me by doing what? Picking up your cross. It's a death to self. But you're not losing yourself, you're gaining yourself in Jesus. But it's going to be very, very difficult. And Paul knew that and he spoke about the truth. And yes, in that moment, the crowd wanted to kill him. But go back and ask how many times Paul did get to share people with Jesus. And, and definitely different ways we don't even have in the Bible. And many people followed Jesus because of Paul's ministry. And so you're right. There are going to be times where you do all the things I told you. You share your story or you live your faith out loud. And people are going to want nothing to do with you. But there are going to be people who resonate with your story. There are going to be people who are desperate to hear about Jesus. There are going to be people that you finally share Christ with, that someone says to you, you, you don't understand how much I needed to hear this. There will be people that you finally share your story with, and all of a sudden, you say, man, I would love for you to go to the chapel with me someday. And they say, okay. And you're like, excuse me? What did you just say? Don't buy the lie that sharing your faith equals 
pain. Actually, sharing your faith may lead to pain, but it also may lead to their glory. And by living out your faith out loud, you never know what may happen. Let me tell you this story. I went to the Holy Grail, a.k.a. Chipotle, with a high school student the other day. His name's John. John goes to our uh, youth group here. He's on uh, Perkins football team. We're good friends. And I, we met for Chipotle. And I went outside because it was a nice day and put our trays down. And Sam was there. Sam is one of our young adults that goes to the chapel. I connected them, said hi to them. And then I did what I always do when I go out to lunch or where I'm everywhere. I go to the bathroom because I go like every 10 minutes. And so I said, hey, I have to go to the restroom. So I leave. This is part of the story, by the way. You're like, why are you telling me you went to the bathroom? It all makes sense in a minute. I left, went to the bathroom, I came out, and this guy was standing there, his name's Mark. Mark's talking to Sam and John, and I'm thinking, what's going on here? And Sam right away introduces me to him. And I can tell the way Sam introduces him to me, that he's introducing me as one of the pastors of the chapel. So I say, hey, I'm Eric, one of the pastors of the chapel. And wouldn't you know it, he stands and he points down to Sam, who's enjoying lunch by himself on lunch break, and he says, this guy right here was praying before his meal. He bowed his head to pray. He could have just prayed silently. He didn't have to pray at all. He bowed his head to pray because he gave thanks to God for his food. This guy saw it and was like, that is incredible. You don't see this in kids his age anymore. I said, you're so right. He's like, I just recently moved into town. I said, where do you live? He goes, I live in Vermilion. I, I work at the railroad in Bellevue. I said, that's great. You know what he said next? I'm looking for a church. I said, I know a church. I work at a church. You should come check out my church. It's really cool. And the guy said, what time is it? And I told him the time. He goes, I may be there. I said, we'd love to see you. And we talked a little bit more, and he left. And I looked at Sam, and I looked at John. And I said, first of all, you're going to hear this in the sermon this Sunday, so don't be a surprise about that. And the second thing is, I looked at Sam. I said, that's why you live your faith out loud. That guy could have just ridiculed him, could have made fun of him, could have yelled something at him, and that's happened. But it led this guy who is new to the area, to possibly discover Jesus at the chapel. So you have a choice. There are going to be many silent moments in your life where people may be against you, but they give you an open door to share Jesus. Share with care for the other person. Care and concern. Give them your credentials which is you spending time with Jesus every moment every day. When Sam prayed, that was out of his life with Jesus. He was giving his credentials by bowing down and praying. You establish common ground with people, and then you go for it. You share your story, or you live your faith out loud, and you leave the results to God. Let's pray together. Lord, I just thank you so much for this text, just to show us that Paul had a chance and the silence to speak. And we have so many opportunities to share our faith, whether on social media or over a text conversation or over lunch at work or around the dinner table with family or a stranger when we're sitting next to them at one of our kids' ball games. We have so many opportunities to share about you, Jesus. First of all, we just say sorry for how many times we've stayed silent. And we say sorry for how many times we've blown it. But give us another chance, Lord, and to follow Paul's footsteps. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Guys, K5 booth out there.